Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. I'm excited for tonight because over the next two Wednesdays, we are starting a brand new mini-series this titled Millennials. And what are we? What we're doing is that we're going to welcome up three speakers each Wednesday for um, today and next week, and they're going to share. Their, they're just going to share your heart um, with y'all, and they're just going to speak what the Holy Spirit is telling them to speak, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, so I'm excited for it because I just love seeing fresh faces up here. I just know that we have people who are called in this church. Um, uh, so the first speaker I want to welcome up, um, he's a good friend of mine. Um, I always brag about his character because he's just, man, he's this, he's solid. Like, whenever I talk about this guy and whenever I talk to people about him, like, this, like, this guy's solid. And uh, anytime I see his parents, I'm, I'm always, always go up to him and I'm like, thank you so much for doing a great job raising your children. Because they just, they did awesome. They did awesome. I think that's important to, that's important to acknowledge, hey, you're good parents, you know. Uh, but without further ado, I want to welcome up uh, Richard. Um, I love this guy. He's awesome. And can we give the hand clap, hand clap if he comes up? Well, good night, everyone. Uh, are you glad to be in the house of God tonight? I said, are you glad to be in the house of God tonight? You see, we could be anywhere, but by the grace of God, we're here tonight, and it's just an amazing opportunity. So tonight, I'll be talking about everyday life um, as my main topic, but just before I go any further, I just wanted to take time out and just be so thankful to God, first of all, for this opportunity, but to the Covenant Life Center team for just being such amazing people and, you know, for presenting me with this opportunity. I love you guys. You're awesome. All right. All right. So everyday life. What do I mean by everyday life? Well, everyday life is described as your life, your daily life, is the things that you do every day and is a part of your normal life and also the things that affect it. So some things that can affect your daily life are like time, worry, weakness, hardship, patience, sickness, temptation, and forgetfulness. You see, life is not always perfect, and that's my first point. Life isn't always perfect. Life has its ups and downs. It has its hills and valleys. But you know... God is good all the time. And you know, although life may not be perfect, we serve a perfect God. So it's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. So I just want to give you a few examples. We're going to look at David, Jonathan, Paul, Job, and Moses. All right. So David, you know, he was a man, of, man after God's own heart, but he did some things in his life that he wasn't proud of. You know, the circumstance with Bathsheba and everything like that, he did um, some adulterous things, he fallen, he sinned, but you know what, the thing is, when you fall, you don't stay down, you get back up. Jonathan, you see, he, he didn't plan that, you know, he would be, um, you, know, you know, he wouldn't be on, like, the throne or anything, he was supposed to be king, a king, but, you know, God had different plans, so, you know, life doesn't always go according to what you want it to be. Uh, Paul, you know, he was, um, he was self-righteous at first, but then he changed became Paul, but even though he was living for God, he still had trials and, t- and troubles, tribulations, you know, uh, 
you were serving God, but yet still you still had opponents against him, being locked up in jail and everything like that. And uh, with Job, Job, Job was a special case. You see, he was described as a perfect man, but perfection doesn't come all willy-nilly. Perfection, you see, you have to go through some things before you can be perfect. You have to go through some trials and tribulations before you can stand up and like declare the righteousness of God. You see, you see, not everything it comes easy, but some things you have to work hard for. Some things you have to go through, some things in life, and you, you'll be able to stand up and say, look, I know where I had been, and if it had not been for God, if it wasn't for God on my side, I don't know where I'd been today. You see, I, you see, I was somewhere, I was in a low place, but God, if it wasn't for God, you see, God, God, man, God, I'm telling you, there's just something about his name. There's just something about God. You see, the thing is, you're not, you see, God takes you places. You see, you're not where you used to be. But, you know, and you're not where you want to be yet. But God's doing a work in you. You see? So, without further ado, I just want to say this to you. I say this to you. And, you see, God doesn't discriminate. God uses whoever he chooses. You see? So, in Galatians 3.28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ. And also, therefore, if any be in Christ, he's a new creation. You see, the old things have passed away, and all has become new. So every time the devil reminds you of your past, every time he's bringing up that one thing, that one thing keeps bothering, you know what? You know what? You say, all right, devil, yes, I have a past, boy. You see, you have a future. I have a future. So you see, I won't be burdened by the things that you try to tell me. I won't be held back by the things that I did in my past because God has a plan for my life and he's making a new future for me. So, you see, it's all about perspective. You see, when you become a new creation in God, he changes your perspective. He changes your ideology. You see, you're not who you once were, but you are a new person in him. You're a new creation in him. You're not who you once were, but you are a new person now. So, you see, the thing that you have to understand is that God is greater than your situations in life. God is greater than your circumstances in life. He's greater than the things you face. So, I was talking about family and all of this. Well, you know that sometimes we say, well, we don't have all this time for everything. We have to take care of our family. We have to take care of this. We have to take care of that. Oh, my family's being attacked. Oh, we're going through something right now. But you know what the scripture says? It says, for where two or more are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. So you see, yeah, the enemy may come. The enemy may say this or say that. But when you get your family together, when you get down on your knees and pray, you see, there's something about everybody getting together and someone praying. You see, one, one can chase a thousand, ten thousand to fly. But what happens if everyone starts getting together? What if we all start praying? What if we all start speaking in tongues, right? What if we all start living a way that we can say to the enemy, look, I know that you said this about me. I know that you said that about me. But in the name of Jesus, I am not defeated. I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. You see, some, sometimes you just got to get angry. Sometimes you just got to get upset, right? The enemy has too much leeway in your lives. 
I said the enemy has too much leeway in our lives, man. We, we, we give him credit for all sorts of things. We put him on a pedestal and, and say, oh, the enemy this, oh, the enemy that. Sometimes we just need to stop for a minute and just cut him off. Simply just cut him off. Be like, you know what? I'm done with everything that you're saying. Everything. I'm not going to listen anymore. I'm going to stop listening to your lies. And I'm going to start hearing what God has for me. I'm going to start declaring his truth. I'm going to start prophesying. I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to start living a way that you can't tell me for I know the truth. Point number two, patience. Patience. You see, all right, patience, they say patience is a virtue, and trust me, it's true. Like, I've been, I've been through some things in my life, and I'm telling you, man, I haven't been the most patient. Like, trying to get a burrito, you know, I'm steaming mad and everything. Bro, like, can I just get my burrito, please? Like, for real. But, you know, the scripture says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagle. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You see, there's something about waiting for the Holy Ghost. There's something about waiting. You see, whenever you wait, it prepares you for what He has in store for you. You see, some things, some blessings, some things in your life, He can't just give it to you, but you have to go through a season to get ready for the things that He has for you. You see, and another thing with patience is that, you know, you have to understand that God doesn't give you a season without a reason. Say, so God doesn't give you a season without a reason. If he's taking you through something right now, it's for a reason. If he's taking you through some hardships right now, it's to make you stronger. It's to build you up. It's to prepare you. Because you see, yeah, you might be going through some seasons right now. But you see, you have to look forward. You might not be able to see some things. But you know what? We don't walk by sight, right? But we walk by faith. We walk by faith. So, you know... You're not able to see some things, but you have to know that God is there doing a work in your life. You see? And I just want to show you an example real quick. You see, for Joshua, it says in Joshua 10, 12 through 13, On the day of the Lord, uh, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand over Gibbon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ashalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nations avenged itself on its enemies, and it is written in the book of Jashar. So what's, what's the significance of this? What is the purpose of this? You see, we often say we don't have time to, for this. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to fast. But you see, you see God, God, God isn't limited by us. God is very unlimited. So you see, whenever you say that you don't have time, we don't have time, God will make a way. He will make the time. You see, I mean, imagine it. The sun's going down and everything, but you, you can pray to God, and he's the God that can make the sun stand still. I mean, like, think about that for a moment. I mean, we complain all the time. We don't have this time. We don't have that time. But, I mean, it's just amazing to see how God is being able to move. All right, and I just want to touch on weakness real quick. He says, but my strength is sufficient for thee, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all my glad, I will gladly boast for, of my weakness so that the power of Christ may be revealed in me. So, you know what? 
sometimes we're weak and we're cast down, but trust in Jesus. He'll make a way. You, you cannot help but get excited when Richard's excitement and his joy is, man, you just, just can't, I like what he said, you know, there's no, like, there's a reason behind the season that you're in right now. I think that's powerful because a lot of times we get caught up in the now and we forget about there's a future that God called us to be in and we get stuck in the now and we never reach that. But there's a reason for our season. That's awesome, Richard. Great job. I want one more hand back to Steve. Next person um, I want to welcome up, um, she's awesome. She's a leader at this church. Um, her family is like a second family to mine. Um, she's like a sister to me. Um, she, uh, best way to describe Haley is that, man, it's just, you know, she is just kind. You know, she just, her, um, she always seems to, to be, just be kind in every situation. I know she, she has a great humor, sense of humor, but she, it's just the kindness that she has on the inside of her that's awesome. A lot of you know her. She's the, she is the worship leader at this church. She does an awesome job, and she does a handful of other things that would take a while for me to list. Um, so without further ado, welcome up, uh, Miss Haley. All right, y'all. Gosh, that was amazing. Richard, you're awesome. Um, y'all amazing tonight. Um, I'm excited to talk to y'all. I just want to, of course, give honor to my parents and pastors for the opportunity to serve. Um, if y'all have a Bible or your phone Bible, go ahead and get it out because I'm going to read um, out of Mark 5, 25 through 34. Um, so just in case you didn't hear that, Mark 5, 25 and 34. So I have a question for y'all. Have any of you ever wanted something so bad that you were willing to do whatever it took to get it? I mean, come on. Am I the only one? No. Someone call it stubbornness. I call it determination. But when you see something you want, you're going to make sure you get away, have a way to get it. So I have a funny story. When I was like three or four, um, my mom took me to Walmart. And I had this weird thing like where when I was little, I would just like run away from my parents in stores. And I would like hide from them. They didn't think it was funny. I thought it was funny, but yeah, he didn't like it. But my mom couldn't find me. They, the managers were looking for me. They couldn't find me anywhere. They were calling me on the intercom. I was nowhere to be found. Well, they went into the produce section, and lo and behold, they found me in the bananas, eating bananas. So yeah, if you don't know me, I love food, and that's I was very determined. I probably, like, was with my mom walking into the store, saw the bananas, was thinking, I want that. And my mom was going in the opposite direction, so I just kind of did my own thing. That's how determined I was, and I've always kind of been like that. Can anybody agree? You have that something in you that's just, like, determined to get what you want. But not only that, you're so determined to get what you know God has for you. Amen? So tonight I want to talk about a lady in the Bible who I know... Many of you probably have heard of her, um, but she was so desperate for a miracle that she was willing to do whatever it took to get that miracle. So we're going to go in Mark 5, 25 and 34. So it says, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, 
She had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of that terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Amen. Who has heard that story in here? Yeah. If you haven't, um, it's an amazing story of just faith. And there's two things that I want to talk about reading that scripture. The first one, because I want to kind of build a picture of how she got that faith, you know, her determination, what helped build that inside of her. So the first thing we know is that because of Jewish law, she was declared ceremonially unclean because of her bleeding issue. And this meant that she would not have been permitted to enter the temple for any Jewish religious ceremonies. And according to the law, anything or anyone she touched became unclean immediately as well. So just imagine that she's, she's pressing through this crowd to get to Jesus. She's touching so many different people. So by law, they would become unclean as well. Not only that, but Jesus, she touched his robe. He would have been unclean as well. The second thing that I want to talk about is her faith. Like, why did Jesus recognize her faith? Like, there's so many people that were around him. Like, why her? And I know you've probably heard this. A lot of people have used this scripture before. But I was really thinking, like, why did her faith stand out? I'm sure all the people around them, around Jesus, was they were sick too. They were desperate for, for healing. They were desperate for a miracle. But why did her faith stand out to him? I believe it's because over those 12 years that she had that condition, God was building her faith. Every time she went to one of those doctors and he gave them, he gave her a bad report, she probably would just remind herself of the promises of God. As soon as she walked out of that room, saying, I don't believe that, God, but I know you have a promise for me. Maybe every time somebody gave her a dirty look in public or said something in front of her face or behind her back about her, she walked away saying, you know what? You are faithful, God, and I will not listen to that lie that they have spoken over me. Maybe when somebody in her family said something, somebody who was close to her, said something that she knew was not true, she still said, you know what, God, you are good, and I'm not going to give in to that or listen to that voice. Amen? Many people would have just given up. I mean, 12 years, it's like half my lifetime. Yes, half my lifetime. I mean, raise your hand. I mean, who would have given up? That's 12 years 
going to so many doctors, spending tons of money, I would have given up. But there's something that was still left inside of her that gave her hope. And we know this because of Scripture, because Jesus recognized her. Amen? So there's a story that I've never actually shared on this platform, I don't believe. I think I did a, just did a video on YouTube sharing my story. But um, about three years ago, I actually lost my voice completely. And I'm talking about I could barely even whisper. Does, does anybody remember that time in my life? Probably a few of y'all. I went to so many doctors. I went to so many specialists, so many therapists, vocal therapists, and vocal coaches. I mean, name the person that could help me in that condition. I went to them. And I love them. So thankful for their expertise, what they gave, what they poured into me, um, how they helped me. But I'm not going to lie, there was a time of the journey that I, I started to put my hope more in them and in my ability to get better on my own than in Jesus, my healer. I always knew it. I had that voice in my head. I've come to church. I serve. But there's still something in my head that just kind of, my hope kind of changed but one day, I was like, you know what? The little girl with the bananas was like, I am not going to take this. Like, I am a child of God. Why am, I, why am I putting my hope in something that is on earth when I have a God that has spoken a promise over me that would not give me a gift to take it away from me? So I made up my mind. And since then, I have spoken the word of God over my life, over my body, over myself, and I've trusted, and I've been believing for a miracle, and I'm still walking through it, but I'm still walking and pressing. Amen? Can anybody relate to that? So if you're like myself and you're listening to this, or you're like the woman with the issue of blood tonight, and you're waiting for a miracle, and it's been a really long time, maybe even more than 12 years, I just want to encourage you tonight, do not give up hope. You may have gone to every doctor, gotten terrible reports, but God. It may seem impossible, but with him, all things are possible. Amen? So tonight, I want to challenge you to make a decision every day to receive your miracle. Some days may be better than others, but still we press on. Other days we feel like the odds are against us, but still we press on. Some days it may seem like we've taken a step backward, but still, come on, say it, we press on because the hope we have in Jesus will never die. Great job, Haley, except for that. You know, but uh, you did a great job, man. That was a good word. I always like, I love that story because 
For 12 years, she was struggling. For 12 years, she was relying on her. She was relying on her know-how. And, it, and, it, and for 12 years, she was just relying on what she knew she could do. But all of a sudden, when she was at the end of her rope, and she was near death, and she was broke, she said, you know what? I'm going to go from my know-how to my know-who. Because I know there's somebody out there, right, who can change to what I've been trying to do for 12 years in an instant. So one more hand cap for Haley. That was awesome. That's great. Great word, Haley. Girl, girl with the bananas. I guess that's her new banana girl. New nickname right there. Um, but next person I want to welcome up. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but my family has known her family for a long time, like since before, like pre-me. Like I wasn't even existed. And she, like we, like, you know, the Garners and the Slavic, we knew each other. And uh, sorry, I just gave it away. But, um, but if there's one thing I can say about Jessica, man, it's her heart. I mean, <laughs> I did it wrong again, but it's okay. We all know because Jessica's heart, man, like I, I am so, I know God says don't be envy, but man, I'm envy of her heart because her heart is so sweet. Like if there's like some like, like I know if like if Jessica, like if she can't do it because with her heart, like if Jessica, I know, like, if there's somebody that needs help, I send Jessica their way because her heart is just so complete. And, like, I'm just like, Jessica, that's awesome. Like, she inspires me. So I know I gave it away. I'm sorry. That's my bad. Uh, but please welcome up um, Miss Jessica Montez. Way to almost make a girl cry, Slavic. Thank you. That introduction was not deserved. Let me just say that for those that do not know me. But uh, I'm going to mimic everyone else and just say thank you for the opportunity. I truly am so honored to be up here, to be chosen to be up here. So I'm going to dive in. Ooh, I got a little extra time. All right. Um, I'm going to go and dive in. My topic for tonight is forgiveness. And so I began to kind of just uh, think about it and pray on this whenever I heard that I was going to start speaking. And the scripture that immediately came to my mind was Matthew 6, 14 through 15. And, but before I tell you the scripture, I want to give context. I love to kind of do the, give the background of a scripture. I believe in reading before and after scripture so you can know the full context of that scripture. So again, my, my scripture is, Ma- is Matthew 6, 14 through 15. But in Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7 cover the Beatitudes, or maybe better known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so these chapters are written in like nothing but red. And it's just, it's just Jesus teaching basics, basic ways on how to live a blessed life. And so the, the Beatitudes cover literally everything. Everything from being the salt and life of the, of the world to adultery to murder to prayer and fasting to worrying. I mean, this literally covers everything. And I'm not going to lie, it had been a little while since I had read it. So whenever I went through, I was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. And I was like, all right, I love when the Holy Spirit does that. Something you've read before, but you go back and you read it again, and there's just new highlighted things. So I had actually not recognized this before. So the scripture is Matthew 6, 14 through 15, and it says, for if you forgive men, When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, this is a big but, if you do not forgive men of their sins, your Father will not forgive you. That's a pretty intense line, right? If you don't forgive somebody for their sins against you, your heavenly Father will not not forgive you. 
when I read that, I was like, oh, my Atlanta. So, but then I read the beginnings. <laughs> I say that a lot. I'm sorry. Um, sometimes my, my Texan comes out, and it's just not, it's nothing I can do about it. So um, right before that scripture, those two scriptures, God is talking about prayer. Talk, God is talking about, he teaches us how to pray, and he teaches us prayer is not to be done in front of people to get praise from people, but, it, but you should literally go, well, my Bible says that you should go to your closet, close the door, and pray to your heavenly father, because it's not to be seen or to get praise from other people. And then right after that, he goes into the Lord's Prayer, which is, we all know as our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy king, you know, da 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 So right after that, he talks about forgiveness. And I was wondering, I was reading it, and I was like, okay, Lord, why is it that you talk about prayer, and then you immediately just kind of slide forgiveness right in? And I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of showed me, it's because you can't have forgiveness without prayer. In order to forgive you have to pray about it. You have to seek it out. Pray, uh, forgiveness does not just happen willy-nilly. It doesn't just say, okay, Lord, I forgive them. You have to seek it out. It is a prayer. It is a daily thing. Uh, my next scripture, remember, but remember what I just said. You cannot have forgiveness without prayer. Remember that. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, Ephesians 4:27, Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So I love this. I love this scripture. I've um, heard this a lot, especially uh, referring to marriage. And uh, to those that may not know, I am a newly married woman. All right. And I have the best husband in the entire world. If you know him, you love him. He, he's not even looking at me right now because he's like done. Um, he is compassionate. He's sweet. He's kind. And he truly is the best part of me. And I'm so lucky I get to do life with him. But we are not perfect. Let me just say that. We are far from it. We uh, have sometimes encountered what I am learning to call, um, uh, you know, what I am learning to call, um, I totally just lost the word too. Oh, my Lanta. Intense fellowship. There you go. Okay. I am learning to call it intense fellowship. And so whenever I, whenever we are in those, we typically, we always end with, you know, I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Da, da, da. He's like, okay, you know, he lets it go. And I claim that I let it go too. I think women do this probably more than men. So, but I let the sun go down. And this has happened more than once, I'm ashamed to admit. The sun goes down, and at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm laying in bed. My eyes still wide open. I'm anxious. I'm still thinking about it. I didn't let it go. I'm still thinking about the intense discussion we had of earlier that day. So I'm 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, not asleep, still laying in bed. My husband over here is snoring away, having a grand old night's sleep. I'm not getting any sleep because I didn't let it go. Even though I claimed I let it go, I didn't get any sleep. I didn't let it go. He's doing fine. He's, he's perfect. He's, he's getting sleep. I need sleep, and I'm not getting any. Who did that affect? When I said I let it go, who did that affect? Did it affect him, Mr. Snoring over here, or me? He doesn't snore that much. Well, I mean, so anyway, I won't share that. <laughs> he really doesn't. Okay, anyway, so who is that affecting, though, me or him? It's affecting me because I didn't let it go. 
And that's the same thing with forgiveness. It's not, you have to let it go. I am not trying to justify what someone did. I just use that, that, that little funny analogy. But I'm not trying to justify. I know people in this room have been through some very real things. People in this room have been through some very hard and difficult things. I am not justifying those. I'm not trying to simplify those situations. But what I am trying to tell you is that if you are, if you are holding unforgiveness, it's not hurting the other person. They're going on. They're living their life. They're going to do what they're going to do. This is the one time that I believe you have the ticket to be selfish. You need to be selfish in this moment and let that go. You need to let the unforgiveness go. Again, I'm not justifying what they did. But I'm saying be selfish and let it go because it's all, all unforgiveness is going to give you. It's going to give you no peace. You're going to have no joy. You're going to have anxiety. Like even your body will begin to shut down because that is what unforgiveness does. It takes root in your heart. It takes over your life. It takes over your body. It takes over your spirit and your soul to where you almost can't even function because you're so bitter. And that is what unforgiveness does. It does nothing to the other person. They no longer care. I mean, if, but am I wrong? They no longer care. It's affecting you. I'm going to say it again. That is the one time that I think you have the free card to be selfish and think about yourself and let it go because it's not doing anything to them. My second point is forgiveness is an action. I'm going to give you a little hint on if you are not sure if you still need to deal with some things. If you are walking around in your daily life and you are still reliving moments or still reliving situations, and it's almost like, I, I think, again, women might maybe do this more. You can still remember, like, little details. You can remember, like, the paint on the wall or something. If you are still reliving those moments, you have not let it go. If you are still reliving, if you are still trying to contemplate revenge or think of, oh, I should have responded this way, I should have done this, you have not let it go. And forgiveness is an action. Like I said, if you are walking through your daily life again, still envisioning those things, still contemplating revenge or however you want to put it, you have not let it go. You are going to have to pray as you're walking saying, okay, Lord, I don't want to hold unforgiveness. I don't want to be bitter. Lord, help me. Teach me to forgive. Teach me to let it go. You have to pray about it. And sometimes that is a daily thing. Sometimes that's an hourly thing. Sometimes that is an every minute thing. It's, there, there's no limit to how often you have to pray and ask God to help you to forgive somebody. There's no limit on the amount of time. You might have to say that prayer 500 times a day. But guess what? That's okay because you're working on it. You're moving forward because you don't want that bitterness to set in your heart. Because if you are paying attention, you will literally begin to feel the bitterness and the anger and the frustration and the anxiety set, set place on your heart. And I want to encourage you, dig it out before it sets root because it gets even harder as time moves on. And again, one thing, if there's, and if there's anything I want to leave you with tonight, it is one thing. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Remember, this is the one time you get to be selfish. Think about yourself. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It is for you. You want to be free. You don't want to be bitter. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to be uh, full of j just anger and bitterness. You want to have joy and peace, but you can't have that if you are still holding unforgiveness towards someone. And again, I'm not justifying any situation. I know situations, I'm not justifying. None of it is deserved. None of it is wanted. I'm not justifying what anyone did. I'm just saying for yourself, let it go.
Uh, thank you for listening, and I have no I have no idea how long I went, but thank you. <laughs> Awesome, awesome job, Jess. Man, that was a good word. I like how she's saying, and something that God revealed to me, is that there is no justice in unforgiveness. A lot of people think, you know what, they don't deserve my forgiveness, but th that's not justice, right? That's, that's hurting you. So that's a, that's a good word. Like forgiveness, unforgiveness can be like such a, something that can take a hold of you and hold you down for a long time, lead to totally, you know, um, things that lead to even more destruction. Um, so just one more hand clap for Jess. I mean, that was, that was awesome. I mean, I got out of it. Um, did y'all enjoy this tonight? Did y'all think that y'all like this? Um, we're doing this again next week. Again, we we're titling um, millennials because we're, we're woken up young people to show their heart. Because who knows, um, sometimes young people nowadays get a bad rep, you know. Um, but we're just showing that this, this, this the voice, because a lot of times the voice, a lot of times we only hear the bad, but we want to bring up the good that the millennials have, that the young people have, and just to hear their heart. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria.org. 